Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Tribune Audio Network. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Powered by the Quad City Moms blog. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hey everybody, it's On a Mother Level. I'm Denise Hanitka, and once again, my partner in crime is back with me. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Glad to hear it. I'm happy to be back. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Hey, we want to thank everybody who has been downloading the podcast and sharing with a friend. We now have over 1,000 downloads. Woo! Four episodes under our belt, so we're getting a little better at this, don't you think? I agree wholeheartedly. I think we've had some good conversations, and so we so appreciate when you tell a friend about us, when you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. It helps us out tremendously, and it makes life easier for you because then you get the episodes automatically on your phone, no waiting, no questions asked. And we will love you for it. So please rate, subscribe, and review. Whenever I listen to podcasts, they always say that. So I feel like I should say it too. I think you should. I think it makes us sound pretty important. Yes. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to sound important and impress you. (laughs) So let us know in the comments how impressed Mm -hmm. you are. (laughs) So speaking of impressive things, do you want to impress us with your mom win of the week, Jessica? Sure. My mom win of the week. So I asked my almost 13-year-old about my wins and mother flubbers this week, just, you know, to get a different perspective. So she said, well, I think you should say that your win is that you've trained us so well that you could take me to Minneapolis and the house didn't burn down at home, which is true. I left my 15-year-old in charge and she... In charge. In charge. Yeah. I mean, my husband farms, so he's in and out. Okay. Right. So he, he's there. But he's not in the house all the time. He took the boys out. Anyway, yeah. I mean, she said to me, she's like, well, if I kept four kids alive while you were in Minneapolis for the weekend, is that good practice in mothering? And I said, absolutely. You bet it is. (laughs) Are you kidding? Yeah, she babysits. If anyone wants a good babysitter, she had lots of experience. (laughs) Hey, good to know. Saving money for cello camp. Back off. She's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. That is a huge win. Yeah. The house is still there. And the kids are all still there. Well, then how could you possibly have a flubber for this week? Mm, because I um, am a fallible human being, okay. I guess. Yeah, my my worst uh, mother flubber was actually last night. So 
One of my kids is super emotionally volatile, and he and his brother had a huge misunderstanding at bedtime. I had let the one in question stay up late, (laughs) always a judgment call, thinking you're mature enough to handle this. Anyway, I don't know exactly what happened, but what I saw was the bigger kid on top of the little kid, the little kid crying in pain. So I, immediate reaction, you know that scene in Monsters, Inc. where he's screaming at the little girl? Like, he doesn't mean to yes, scream at her, yes. but that's what he's he's doing. He scares her to death, and she is really super frightened. I was that monster, that big blue monster, before I found out everything that had happened, which they were both equally at fault, and he wasn't really hurting the brother like it looked like, but just that that was still my gut. I've worked so hard for that to not be my gut reaction, And that was still my first reaction is just to stop the fight. And what are you doing? And yeah. So yeah, that was definitely, that was last night. So still recovering from that emotionally. Both of us are, but yeah. I feel like that has got to be one of the most common things that we feel like we fail at is automatic reactions yes. and um I don't want to say overreaction because I don't know that's not the right word but the the idea that we let our temper take over first right right and you're trained at that from childhood you know like your reactions and parenting are so much like the reactions your parents had towards you like you're instinctively hardwired to do that because of your temperament, which we're going to talk about in a little while, yeah. because of how you grew up, all of those things. I mean, I recognize all of that. But like I said, I've been working really hard to change that aspect of my personality. And so it's just hard for me when I flub up. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I feel for you because I know what it's like to have it stick with you mm-hmm. when you're still thinking about it. And yep. it's not, it doesn't feel great. No. And I love that kid so much. I hate oh, it when I and treat. he knows that. I, I know. I know. He just takes things really seriously. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I think it's cool that that is your flubber for this week because we are going to deep dive into personalities and why we behave the way we do. And we're going to have a little, like, mini interesting therapy session here for each other, yeah? I <laughs> hope so. <laughs> I'm going to do my best with my expert book by my side. What about you, Denise? Did you have wins and flubs this week? Okay, so I have a couple things, and um, they're only mildly (laughs) parenting-related. Okay. Okay? All right. So number one, um, I'm just super, super proud and impressed with myself um, because I was able to work in a Vanderpump Rules reference into the news last night. And it happened organically. It was not pre-planned. Do you watch Vanderpump Rules? No, but I saw your Instagram where you were proud of yourself. I was like, yes, rock. Look, I'm 35. I watch Vanderpump Rules. I have two children and no shame. Right. I'm fine with it. Okay? Me too. Vanderpump Rules is me living my best life, and (laughs) I'm comfortable with that. And so if you've ever watched Vanderpump Rules, there's this famous scene where DJ James Kennedy says, it's not about the pasta. (laughs) And yes, he has a British accent. He says, not about the pasta. (laughs) And so 
I worked it in to um, the chat last night because the last story of the sports cast was about how U of I basketball was playing in Italy this week. And our um, sports gal, Celia, said something like, oh, I hope they, you know, focus on the game and not on the pasta. And I said, it's not all about the pasta. <laughs> that is so perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, I only wish you could truly share in my joy and excitement via being a Vanderpump Rules fan. But... If this is what makes you become a Vanderpump Rules fan, then then I've done my job. I'm here. definitely going to check it out. Okay. This is my actual win for the week, okay? I have an actual real live one, and that is I have officially hit six months of exclusive pumping. <gasps> Yay! Okay, oh six my months, goodness. Six months was my goal. I yes. just wanted to get here. And I'll tell you, exclusive pumping is brutal. It I is know brutal. there's a lot of people who do it. Yeah, that doesn't mean that it's any less of a win. That's amazing, oh, Denise. Man. And that's um, dedication. Oh, and you know, I I mean I've been like looking forward to this date forever, but then the other day you posted that thing about how breastfeeding is like a full-time job and the stats of the hours associated with it. So I looked at my own stats because I keep track of this sort of thing. And if you're getting it all TMI on me, then just Move it along because that annoys me when people say TMI when you talk about breastfeeding. But, um, okay, so my stats in six months, I have pumped 6,400 ounces. Okay? Oh, wow. And I'm going to pull up the little ounces calculator. That's amazing. Okay, so 6,400 ounces to gallons is 50 gallons, okay? That's awesome. And so I'm saying this not because you're interested in it, but because I'm proud of myself because when you think about 50 gallons of milk in the store yeah that's a lot of gallons of milk that's a lot of gallons of milk and you did it four ounces at a time four ounces at a time god it's just brutal so yeah hey how about a shout out to all of the exclusive pumpers out there because your your work is noted and it's world breastfeeding week this week oh is that right Uh uh-huh yeah so congratulations accomplishing your goal (laughs) at a appropriate time, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably going to slow down a little bit. I already have slowed down a little bit because it is incredibly time consuming, but, um, but after struggling with breastfeeding to start with and kind of settling on the idea of exclusive pumping, I feel just really good about reaching this milestone. So, yeah. And I am done talking about my boobs. I mean, for right now. Okay, so now I want to talk about my mother flubber. And to be honest with you, it's really more of like um, I'm seeking advice okay. on this one. Okay. So my little boy is three years old, almost. In September, he'll be three. And he is basically potty trained right. except for nights and naps. Oh, sure. That's super okay. common. So now naps at daycare, he does not wear a diaper. Naps at home, he has to wear a diaper. Otherwise, he will wet the bed. Oh, so interesting. What in the world is the difference between these two spaces, and what do I do about it? He feels a lot more comfortable at home. Well, and that's good. Yeah, that's so good. So, I mean, what do you think? When I mean, when are boys more c- able to hold it? Well, I, the, I mean, I mean, night, night. That'll be a while, right? Well, it's it's different for each kid okay. and each you know, lifestyle. So it really depends on what your goals are. Like how much do you care if they wear a night diaper and how much do you care if he wears a nap diaper? Cause if it's just pee, it's, I don't know. I guess it depends on how much you want to deal with it. Like for me, I would have 
yeah. just been like, eh. See, I don't care night diaper. Yeah. That doesn't bother me in the mm-hmm. slightest, especially because in the morning, like, he clearly has, you know, a lot in the tank. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really more interested in changing the nap because he does it one way at daycare and then another way at home. So yeah. it makes me feel like he can clearly do it. It's yeah. just how do I need, what do I need to do to, to make him successful? Yeah, that's a super great question. I'd love to hear what other people have to say about it. My idea would just be, you know, the parenting standby of bribery, (laughs) which would be like, if you can wake up dry, you can have a hot cocoa or you can blow out the candle or you can whatever it is that he's really into. Some of my kids loved blowing out birthday candles so much. That's hilarious. We used it as a potty bribe. Yeah. That's so funny. Right? Way better than an M&M. You can blow out the candle. Yeah. Chocolate, okay. whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, but overall, like like you're saying, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, that's my gut instinct is it doesn't really matter. Okay. Because if he can do it, it, you know, I don't think he's willing himself to do it one way or another. I mean, he's asleep. So. True. Yeah. It's probably just that he feels more comfortable at home. And if you don't put a diaper on, what happens? He pees. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You've stumped us. Kids are Sweet Abram, kids are you crazy. have stumped us. <laughs> yeah, and so I don't want to label that a fail or a flubber because no. I don't think that I'm doing anything wrong, no. and he certainly isn't doing anything no. wrong. But I was just curious if there's that a better curi- way. I mean, it's If there's curious. a better way to do this. Yeah. So, but yeah, and if it means he's more comfortable at home and he's getting a nice deep rest, then so be it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about happiness. Okay. I'm all about that. Okay. So in our Moms in the Headlines, we are pulling from the Quad City Moms blog. One of your writers um, wrote an article about the Happiness Project. Right. Rachel Gustafson did a fabulous review about the book, The Happiness Project. It's been out for a while, this book, but I haven't read it because personally I've been worried (laughs) that reading a book called The Happiness Project would put a lot of pressure on myself to be happy. (laughs) Well, yeah, technically. I mean, you read it and it's like you either better do it or, you know, shut up. (laughs) You're not being happy in the right way. That's kind of my feeling when I hear the title of the book. Okay, so the author of the book is named Gretchen Rubin, and she was a lawyer, and she had two kids, and she left her lawyering job to become a writer. And so she wrote this book after doing a year of, not soul-searching, because it was more than that, but she spent a year actively looking at what brings happiness, what takes it away, and how to actually harness it in your life. Is that kind of how you understand it? Yes. Yeah. It sounds very analytical, which is not my personality at all. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thankful for people like Gretchen who have that analytical personality who can write it all out for me so then I can follow in her footsteps and be happy. Well, first of all, it tells me a lot about her that she was a lawyer who left the job in search of happiness. Yes. And it's, it says a couple things to me. Number one, that um, she was clearly probably making some big time cash <laughs> as sure. a lawyer. And so making that things. job wasn't bringing her satisfaction. Yeah. I imagine it was probably taking a lot of hours and time away from her kids and mm-hmm. family. So so that in itself is is interesting that she would make this huge life decision and take this huge leap in the search of happiness. You yeah. would think, I'm sure a lot of people thought like, oh my gosh, dream job, dream career, dream life. And that's not what makes you happy. Not at all. In the end. So what she ended up doing is she took 
she took like a one month at a time approach right. where she said, okay, in January, I'm going to focus on this aspect of my life and how to make it happy. So one of the months was focusing on how to be happier in marriage and how to be happier in parenting, how to be a funner parent right. and, um, how to, um, you know, bring some more joy back into parenting. Um, and so when you had brought up Rachel's blog posting, I asked, okay, so what was her plan for August? Right. And then maybe we can think about how to do August, maybe just in this tiny little piece among ourselves. Yes. Well, I don't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why? Because August is money. So. August is money. I know. I don't like, I just like to spend money. I don't like to think about it. I don't want to make rules for myself or mm -hmm. put limits on myself. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with my personality, but well, I mean, how, like, how would you describe yourself with money? I spend it. I'm pretty, pre I mean, I'm a lot better than I used to be, but I got myself into some pretty hardcore, um, credit card debt. Okay. Back when I was younger and that's just because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it and I didn't want to have to wait until I actually had the money and then I would tell myself oh I'll pay it off at the end of the month and then I didn't have the money to pay it off the end of the month because it went other places so yeah I was I was what you might call a spendthrift <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel like you have a grasp more on it now or like where do you think you've come since then yeah, I think I have a better handle on, um, I still don't really budget like they say you should. I don't but either. I, well, thank you. <laughs> it does make me feel a little better. Another responsible adult who also does not budget. Um, right. I, I don't say, oh, I'm going to spend this much on entertainment. I'm going to spend this much on this. I just try to be frugal in my choices. So really what that boils down to is like, I sacrifice going shopping at the mall for buying trips and, you know, yeah. experiences, that kind of thing. So, because I still know that we only have limited funds, even though my husband's a farmer, he is not a money farmer. He grows corn, which isn't the same thing as like money growing on trees or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, so she's not in this happiness project. She's not trying to be like the Dave Ramsey. She's no, not, not really suggesting any like money financial advice. She's just suggesting, um, finding ways to use money to give you happiness and, and not to buy it, so to speak. But, but what I took from it is, my whole philosophy around, around spending is like, if it saves me time, I'm going to spend it. Because to me, time is more important than cash. So I'm not going to make a bottle of laundry detergent. I would rather spend the $7. Right. You know, and I don't coupon because to me, the cutting of the coupons and the searching of the paper, that's... Time, like that's my time. Right. And so basically I feel like I'm taking away my, my choice of time to cut out these coupons and that doesn't have any value to me. And isn't her premise also to kind of take the stress away from money? So True. a lot of people, like, I feel like you and I, we have the money thing pretty hand in hand in hand. We're not feeling stressed about money all of the time, but growing up, I remember my dad with a timer for my mom's long distance calls. Because he was Aww. so stressed about money that he only wanted her to talk to her mom for this amount of time. So the, the long distance bill would only be that much 
So that's definitely stress about money when yeah. you're timing to the minute a telephone call. And that's not a happy place to be. Right. And she certainly acknowledges that in the, um, in the book where she says, um, you know, obviously money stress is not just going to go away because you've decided to change your attitude about it. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, um, I think she's just, I think her point was just more like finding, finding the way that it, I don't know, can work for your family. Right. I don't know. And I think that looks different for everyone. Yeah. Like, obviously for us, budgeting isn't what's going to make us happy. But for other personalities, maybe budgeting is the thing that is going to be what makes you happy. And definitely, you know, getting out of debt is a first step. You know, I had to stick to get out of that credit card debt and pay off my college loans. I had to stick to a pretty tight budget, but I didn't do it like the Dave Ramsey way. I did it the Jessica way. (laughs) (laughs) When does that book come out? Yeah, well, I just basically hid money from myself. Like, I literally had accounts at two different banks. So, like, the money that I needed to use to pay off my bills literally went into a different account. And so I told myself I didn't have it. I was only allowed to pay off the credit card with that one. That's just what I had to do to work for me. Because if I had it in my checking account, it existed. (laughs) Well, I think that's a pretty good plan. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so try, I guess we'll we'll have everybody try this as their August intention. Look for ways that money can make you happy, but not like on a new purse. Yeah, and you more. can go to GretchenRubin.com yeah. and look at the August project. And there's a little video you can watch. Mm-hmm. If this is something that is intriguing to you, definitely read Rachel's post on the Quad City Moms blog about the Happiness Project. And then you can get more details at GretchenRubin.com. Rolling right into our big topic for the day, which is Enneagram. The Enneagram. I had never heard of an Enneagram until you came along. Right. So what in the world is an Enneagram? Well, the Enneagram is a personality type, but it's more than that. So I was reading the book, The Road Back to You, which I have brought with me. It's, a ro- it's called The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Crone and Suzanne Stabile. And it is all things Enneagram. So there's nine personality types is the main premise. All of us were innately born one personality type. Then oh. because of your upbringing, you might swing more towards uh, the personality type that's, quote, next to you or back and forth because of your life circumstances. So it's malleable. Okay. Okay. So uh, like, uh, why don't we start from the beginning? Where did you hear about Enneagrams and what, what um, appeals to you about them? Well, I've always been interested in personality tests. On the Quad City Moms blog before I owned it and I was still a writer, I wrote a blog post about personality types. Then once I heard about the Enneagram, I also wrote a blog post about the Enneagram. Um, But what I really like about the Enneagram is it's more than just a personality test. Um, The point of it is self-understanding and growing beyond the self-defeating dimensions of our personality, as well as improving relationships and growing in compassion for others, which I find to be something that is occurring to me on a regular basis the more that I learn. For instance, today, my eight-year-old kind of gets into fights with people. Every time we go someplace, like at the park, he'll find a kid who he can butt heads with, and he just does. Like, 
why is he the one who's always finding someone to not get along with? I don't understand it. But yeah. the more that I read about Enneagrams, the more that I understand that to him, conflict is connection. Oh. Right? And so because of that, then I'm better able to understand him and have compassion for him. And granted, you're not supposed to type kids when they're really young, but that okay. one is pretty cut and dry. I kind of know what he is. So there's nine personality types. And so I can go ahead and kind of read you the oh, personality okay. yeah. types if you want. All right. So there is no personality type that's better or worse than another. None of them are gender biased. They all have their own strengths and weaknesses, but they're in numerical order. So type one is not the first one. It's not the best one. It's just type one to make it easy for you. All right. So type one is the perfectionist. Ethical, dedicated, and reliable, they are motivated by a desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avoid fault and blame. Okay. Now, Denise, when you um, were kind of looking into Enneagram, you said you took a few quizzes and you I couldn't did. quite decide what you are. Well, because a couple of them came back in totally different um numbers. Right. Okay. So, but then I, looking further into it, they all fell underneath that, the heart types. Okay. Because, okay, so if there's yeah. nine, if there's right. nine personality types, they fall into one of three categories. It's like heart, head, and what's the other one? Um, fear or gut, anger and gut. The anger or gut triad, the feeling or heart triad, okay. or the fear or head triad. Okay. So all of mine ended up in the heart triad. Yeah. So I guess I guess they weren't off necessarily because they all fell into that same category. Mm -hmm. It was just like varying degrees of. Okay. Right. So let me back up just a tiny bit. So I went online to find some of these quizzes. And some of, like, it's hard to find a free quiz because yes. a lot of them they want to charge you. Right. So we'll have to, we'll have to. Is there a good free quiz we can recommend to people on this? Well, the Enneagram Institute has a free quiz that you can take, and that's a good starting place. But with a quiz, that is just a starting place. Okay. So that's not going to tell you hard and fast what your type is. What you really want to do if it's something that interests you in learning your type and the types of the people around you that you interact with on a regular basis is you'll want to keep reading. So you want to okay. get a book or you want to follow an Enneagram um, an Instagram account, which I follow like eight because they all offer something different. Yeah. They're all funny. Um, and then the more kind of practice you get, like you'll, you'll recognize yourself more and more and more. And then you'll be like, oh, I definitely am this type. Or okay. I kind of, like Denise said, she falls into the heart or feeling triad. So that is more of how she relates her life, relates to life is, from her heart yeah. versus from her head or versus at gut level. So um, that's kind of what the triads mean. Okay. All right. So you told us about the first one. Right. So that was type one. Okay. Which I'm assuming did not resonate with no, you at all. Type one was not me. Okay. Type two, the helper. So this is a feeling triad, one of the feeling ones. Uh -huh. The helper, warm, caring, and giving. They are motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. Okay. To give you an example of someone who might be a helper type, again, you're not supposed to type children when they're really young, but I have someone who just got $7 in her birthday card because she's going to be seven tomorrow, and she literally started giving her birthday money away because she wanted... What? 
Yes, because she wanted to make her siblings happy. I mean, oh, if that's on. not the definition of a type two helper, I do not know what wow. is. Right. Or she'll be like, what can I make you? Can I bring you eggs? Can I bring you coffee when I'm upstairs working first thing in the morning? Can I bring you this? Can I bring you that? And if I say no, she feels personally rejected because I don't want her help. Yeah. So, oh. so that's what I mean by these types are innate. They are, you are born with these types. Okay. Yeah. See, well, see, and one quiz did have me at number two a little bit, not to brag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, because type two is clearly the best one. No, but that, that just stands out to me yeah. because if I offer to do something for my husband and he says no, like I take personal offense. Yeah. So that like that really stands out to me. Right. And so see, that's the okay, kind wow. of thing that you just need to watch for as you're moving through your life. Like, oh, that's a type two thing or oh, that's a type whatever thing. To help you recognize who you are so you can know yourself better and become a better person. That's our end goal with all of this is to be better people. It sound, sounds like if I'm a two, I'm pretty much killing it. I'm off yeah, the charts. Absolutely. All right. Type three. <laughs> okay, okay. The performer. Mm -hmm. Success oriented, image conscious, and wired for productivity. They are motiv motivated by a need to be or at least appear to be successful and to avoid failure. This one makes me feel uncomfortable because it's so me. Right? And that's another way you can tell if you're getting close is because it pegs you so close to your heart that it is uncomfortable. Well, and because it sounds like there's a lot of negatives with this one. And so no. I, like, I feel personally attacked by, by category three. That's because you know yourself so well that you can see the negative things and the negative aspects easier oh. than other people can, Denise. Honestly, okay. it's... It's just because you know you know your heart, and we always, almost always, focus on the negative aspects. You know what I mean? Like if oh, somebody, wow. if you were to get four emails in one day, and three of them were like, "I loved your reference to that TV show. I love the pasta," <laughs> and then you had one person be like, "How could you be so ri ridiculous to say that on the air?" That's the one that you would carry home with Have you. Have you though. been reading my emails? <laughs> yeah, I, I. Not only do I listen underneath of your window, I also read your emails. Okay. Type four. Okay, four. Type four. The romantic. Creative, sensitive, and moody. They are motivated by a need to be understood, experience their oversized feelings, and avoid being ordinary. That's yeah. the romantic. Yeah, that, that's... That's another one that they pegged me on. Well, um, my one of my daughters, who is 15, she loves that she's a four because she considers the four to be the best one. And she says yeah, that girl, up top. one of the great things about being a four is that being sad makes you happy. <laughs> okay. Well, they, because that's, she's so yeah, that's deep. like people who like, yeah. to, who like a good cry. Right. And she likes, she, she's so deep that, she gets things at a much deeper level than other people. So being sad makes her happy. Yeah. She's, I mean, she is great. Like, it's awesome to talk about the Enneagram with one of my kids. I love it. Okay. Type five, the investigator. Analytical, detached, and private. They are motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy, and avoid relying on others. The type five. Okay. Married to a type five. One of my best friends is a type five. Yep. That um, if you need to know the answer to something, ask a type five, and they will find it out for you. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. Type six, the loyalist. So you out there, listeners, we want to know what type you are resonating with. We want to we want to know where this takes you 
we are hoping to pique your curiosity so that you will investigate more, even if you're not a type five. The loyalist is type six, committed, practical, and witty. They are worst case scenario thinkers who are motivated by fear and the need for security. Type seven, the enthusiast, the enthusiast, fun, spontaneous, and adventurous. They are motivated by a need to be happy, to plan stimulating experiences, and to avoid pain. Type eight, the challenger, commanding, intense, and confrontational. They are motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. And type nine, the peacemaker, pleasant, laid back, and accommodating. They are motivated by a need to keep the peace, merge with others, and avoid conflict. So that's just a quick overview. I mean, yeah. we are not going to be able to talk about all of the things about the Enneagram in one podcast. But um, it's super interesting because it, it does peg you. And yeah. it does make you feel like they know me. Well, it's interesting to, because it basically... It, it, the goal is to explain to you maybe why you behave a certain way mm -hmm. and then not to change you, but if you understand why you feel a certain way about something, you can develop. Right. A, a quote from Thomas Merton is, before we can become who we really are, we must become conscious of the fact that the person who we think we are here and now is at best an imposter and a stranger because we often put on that facade of oh, okay. something for the public, you know, and uh -huh. we don't let people see our inner selves. And so then we kind of lose sight of who we are too. Or we look at the negative aspects and we think, oh, that needs to be corrected. So then we try to be something else. Yeah. Or the one that stands out to me is if you're dating someone and you kind of change who you are right. around them. Right, like in the Runaway Bride movie when she doesn't <laughs> know how she likes her own eggs because she always adopts the other person's light, the <laughs> likes, yeah. Okay, so I, I, feel like, I feel like I got pegged pretty well as a three or a four. Mm -hmm. I felt like a lot of connection with those two, but I didn't even think about maybe what my husband is. Yeah, well, you're really new at this. I would yeah. say just think about yourself. To yeah, begin so with. which <laughs> so, so which one is a selfish person who doesn't think about others? Because that's all of us. <laughs> all of us. Okay, so that's the cool thing about the Enneagram because you are your main type, but then you're also um, you have a wing, what they call a wing. Oh. So there's a three with a four wing. And so that one is going to be a little bit different than a three with a two wing. So you can only have a wing of the number that's right next to you. So you find out your main type and then your wing is like your tendencies. For instance, did, could you have guessed from any of those which one I am? Because I am so obviously the one that I am. It's okay. Oh, if gosh. You yeah, one. no, I couldn't, I couldn't guess. You're a seven. I am a seven. Okay, so yes. walk us back through the seven. What do you really identify with on the seven? Everything. So the seven. <laughs> so some people, actually most people, honestly, are very similar in number, and it takes them a while to figure out which two, which two they are and then to narrow it down to which is their main type and which is their wing. Super common to not know your type right away. Absolutely normal. I, on the other hand, um, there is an Enneagram 
Instagram account that I follow that I love called Enneagram and Coffee. And she has clear back, I mean, this was a while ago, um, a bingo set that you can put, you circle all of the ones that apply to you to okay. kind of help you know which is your type or to see if you relate to that type like other people do. And a lot of times you'll get like, I don't remember if there were 12 or however many there were, but let's say there were 12. So I was getting like sixes, fives, circling as I went down the line. So it started with one, type one, and I'm a type seven. When I got to sevens, I circled absolutely every one. Oh, interesting. Which is super unusual. I mean, most people don't circle even the type that they are. They don't relate so strongly to every single one. Whatever it was about whatever the things on that particular bingo card were, were super appropriate for me. A seven is um, fun and spontaneous and adventurous. They're motivated by a need to be happy, to plan stimulating experiences, and to avoid pain. Okay. So um, that seems like, oh, yeah, avoid pain. What's wrong with that? Well, I mean, I am so a type seven that it's really hard for me to be in that deep moment with you. Like if you were struggling and we were, you know, talking about something deep, my tendency is to make a joke or to bring the lighthearted moment back and get out of that deep situation because I don't okay. want to experience that pain with you, even though as a good friend, that's what I really want. I mean, I really want to do that, but I also don't want to do it, if that makes sense. Like yeah, okay. on a head level, I say, yes, I want to go through that with you. And on a on a instinctual level, I say, let's make a joke. Let's lighten this up. I mean, I'm, I make jokes at funerals. I'm, I make, I make jokes. <laughs> One time, I've been physically removed from a funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Not physically removed, but asked to. No, I'm just kidding. Never asked to leave either. But um, during like childbirth breathing practice, I get the giggles. I got the giggles so much I had to leave the room. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't even practice breathing for childbirth. Oh my god! Because I would just start laughing. Any yeah, like deep, deep moments are hard for me. And other people love the deepness. Yeah. They want to get deep. Oh yeah, really fast. I love to get deep in conversation. I don't want to just talk about the weather and baseball, mm-hmm. but I, um, I struggle when it comes to being staying in that moment. I'm always looking ahead for something fun too. Like, oh, this is boring. So what's the next thing? You know, I want to plan yeah. ahead. I'm going to look at. Look at next weekend instead of what's going on right now. So I guess what, what you know your type, so like what do you do with that? What, what, what happens next? We, do you like get a keychain or something? Yeah, you get a keychain <laughs> and then you, um, you get to win at life. Okay, so the end of the book, we're going to skip to the end of the book. So now what? Okay, okay. Chapter yeah. 12, Denise, is so now what? The beginning of love. The beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. Oh, that's Isn't deep. that good? Yeah. And so we want you to have, like by understanding the Enneagram, we want it to have greater compassion for others mm-hmm. and for yourself. So how you were saying that you felt uncomfortable by some of the things that the three brought to mind, we want you to understand yourself so that you can be compassionate with yourself if that makes sense. Like, so you say to yourself, okay, 
yes, that is my tendency to be so image conscious, let's say, because that's one of the things that threes sometimes struggle with. So let's say that something you struggle with is being super image conscious. So instead of being like, oh, I'm such a bad person, all I care about is what I look like or, you know, how I appear to other people, you can say, okay, that's a type three thing and that's okay. That's who I am. And how am I going to make that better? How am I going to get beyond that image to, to let people see who I really am? I mean, if that is something that you struggle with, you already do a great, a great job at showing vulnerability for being honest. I mean, just look back at our first conversation, you know, I mean, you instigated that with your own vulnerability. So you're already getting to know yourself better and working past that. Just like back to our first conversation, you kept saying how you felt ashamed. Yeah. And maybe that has something to do with your personality type because it's not okay, you know, in that space to show your real self. I was embarrassed. Right. And I was embarrassed because people were going to look at me and I want them to see me as X, but by feeling this way they were going to see me as something I didn't want them to see me as. Right, right. And so knowing that is part of who you innately are and who you were created to be, then that's a beautiful thing because then you can help yourself be compassionate with yourself. And yes, you'll probably still feel embarrassed, but you can at least say, okay, this is who I am and it's okay to feel embarrassed. And I'm going to move past that because I know that getting deeper is something that I also really want, you know? Gotcha. So, um... So those are the, the um, compassion for ourselves and for each other. And then um, we can't change the way other people see the world, but we can try to experience the world through their eyes and help them to change what they do with what they see. Does that make sense? Okay. So for instance, a type six tends to be really motivated by anxiety. So you can't make them be less fearful, but what are you going to do about that? You know, by learning who they are, then what's their next step? Like, yes, you're worried that this might happen or that might happen, and you're still thinking of the worst case scenarios, but then what are you going to do about that? Are you just going to sit and worry, or are you going to make a plan, or are you going to figure out a way to be just put a positive spin on it or what works for you, you know, like looking at it, this is what it is. Now what's my next step to be a more healthy person? It reminds me a lot of the concept of the love languages. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I love those so much because mm-hmm. it's, it's basically the same concept of knowing what drives you, what gives you satisfaction, what gives your partner that same satisfaction. And they probably won't line up necessarily but if you know what you need and you know what they need you can better communicate with each other and so same with this if I understand who he is as a person or who my child is as a person and how that differs from the way I respond to things I can have better compassion for what motivated them in that moment to behave a certain way exactly yeah so um the author of the book um the road back to you quotes a buddhist teacher and he says Um, when we accept others as they are, then they have a chance to transform. So you're helping understand your husband or your child the way he is. Mm -hmm. And he also then can change because you're not expecting him to be different. You're understanding who he is. So it's just that basic desire of really knowing people, like really 
loving them where they are. So I, one thing I didn't realize is, so you use it in your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was reading online is that a lot of companies are using yes. this as a motivational and a team building sort of a thing. Right. And learning how to better work with one another. Right. And it's kind of an ancient art. It's been found in like ancient monasteries b- dating back centuries. Um, and yeah, like the better that you can know the people that you work with, the more compassion and understanding you'll have for them. And I mean, isn't that what we want as a world? Like right. we want to be known and we want people to see us for who we really are. And in order to do that, we have to do the same thing for other people. Yeah. Reading, reading about the number three stuff sort of really freaks me out. Yeah. So, so this is telling me for number threes, take a moment to reflect on the following principles. Our innate value does not depend on how others see us. Feelings are a natural part of life. Love comes from being as well as from doing. Failures can be an opportunity for learning and growth. That hits you hard, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like all my stuff, like right there in four sentences. Yeah. But one thing that I love about this book is he says earlier, he longs for people to know that God beholds us with the same soft gaze the adoring mother beholds her sleeping infant with. And if we could look at ourselves with that same quality of affection, how much healing could take place in our souls? Mm -hmm. You know, so by you taking an honest look at the things that are hard for you and, and seeing like that failure one, I mean, I think all types struggle with that, but yeah, threes have a harder time with it. So you look at that, And then you think, well, what do I do now? How do I make it better? And that's where knowing yourself, self-discovery changes you. Yeah. I will say that I think I'm much better at this since being in my 30s. You know what I mean? You, I mean, obviously you've had more time on the planet with yourself to really figure some stuff out, but like you're much more willing to be honest about it and forgiving about it, I think, being in your 30s. I think if I had looked at these same things... As a 20-year-old, I would have gone, I would have felt like this is really uncomfortable and it's telling me I'm a bad person and I'm going to just close this book and put it away. Yeah. You know? Nah, I don't need that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that doesn't apply to me and I'm probably going to be a better person soon anyway. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, um... You said it's not good to necessarily file children in these categories right away, but like when, how, how do you use it in your home? Well, um, I didn't intentionally type those two children that I was talking about, but just learning about it, I just kind of have a feeling that they are pretty in their type. So with my eight child, the one who gets into fights all the time, his values are, that he has to be the best. So that's something with character building and character training and character development that we do at our house. Anyway, I can just be more focused on those aspects of it with him and help him to see other people's point of view and help him to recognize that for him, it doesn't feel like that big of a thing. But to another child or another person, it feels so much more than what he feels, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Like um, in type eights, they, there's actually a quote that is like, you might think that it's just a small thing, but to somebody else, it's really huge. To somebody else, it's really huge. Like 
you are just much bigger than you realize. Your personality is much bigger. Your personality is twice as big and, uh, and intense as you think it is. And what feels like passion to you often feels like intimidation to others. So helping mm -hmm. him recognize that as a child, he's going to have some of that soul healing early on, hopefully. I mean, that's my hope in all of my parenting. But this is just one more tool in my parenting toolbox to help me be a better parent and help my kids grow up healthier than I ever had the chance mm -hmm. to, you know? So that's why I like the Enneagram is so that we can look at our strengths and definitely grow those and look at our weaknesses and make those be healthier. Okay. So the other question I'm having is, is this, this is something we're born with or how much is how much is our life experience shaping what our Enneagram is? That's a good question. I don't think they really know for sure, but you definitely can look at two babies and look at them and know that they have different personalities, right? True. I mean, just look at your boys yes. as babies. They weren't the same baby. Yes. Um, and that's only two kids, you know? I mean, if you had nine children, how similar do you think they if you had nine children in a row, all the same age, all the same gender, like just, they would not be the same baby. No. So yeah, that part is, you are born with a personality, but then the way you're brought up definitely changes that to a certain extent. So maybe, let's say if you're a type six, which has a tendency towards fear and anxiety anyway, but you also grew up with a mom who's constantly worried about everything and wants you to yeah. only walk this far away from the house and you're not allowed to walk by yourself to school even when you're a teenager and all of those things, just think how much worse it would be than if you grew up with a mom who was like a type seven who is just like, oh, sure, go ride your bike to the pool. It'll be fine. And never put any, you know, limits or talked about worries with you. Like you might be a little nervous, but your mom says it's okay. So you'd go. So you'd be a lot less fearful as an adult, even though you're both a type six. Okay. You see? Yeah. Because all of these little things that I just read off here, and I'm going to lay back on this couch because you're officially in this therapy session with me. Um, <laughs> so all of these things that I feel like are negatives about myself are all things that I feel like I can trace back to a feeling of when I was a kid. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. So, so in that, in that respect, I'm like, wait, so was I born with this personality or was it, you know, molded and shaped over time? Both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely both. So, so what um, I'm trying to do is blame my parents and my childhood for my problems. Well, and your <laughs> innate personality yeah. is part of that too, because like maybe if you were a different personality type, you wouldn't be trying to wiggle out of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, <laughs> just a thought, Mr. Fox. Oh, gosh. By the way, I will give a candy bar to anybody who knows that quote, just a thought, Mr. Fox. It's from a children's book, and I'm not going to say any more. Just a thought, Mr. I really, Fox. I really like candy, but I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you guys... Email me at the mom's blog and I will send you a candy bar wow. if you know that. Okay, so what we're telling people to do is go follow Enneagrams and Coffee on Instagram. Coffee and Enneagram is coffee one. And Enneagram. Um, Enneagram Vibes is another one. Okay. They usually have really funny memes. Um, Enneagram Ashton 
Um, there are just like, if you just search Enneagram on Instagram, you'll find several, or if you go to farm fresh, Jessica and see who I follow, okay. Okay. <laughs> you can also follow. There's just a lot of really good stuff out there. And the more you read about it, the more you're going to be able to type yourself and the more you're going to be able to learn about yourself because we want you to be as healthy of a person as you can be. Are we out of time already, Denise? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just love the Enneagram. So it's really interesting. Yeah. And now I, I want to look more into it and I want to see what my husband is. Yeah. And I want him to understand why I'm a crazy person also. So well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna leave this these little papers out and say Stop these. saying you're a crazy person. <laughs> That's not okay. Okay. Jessica, you're awesome. Denise, Enneagrams you're are awesome so interesting. Too. These are so interesting. And I'll be honest, when you first told me about these, I found them super intimidating because of the chart and the flows and all of yeah. that. So like, so if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling intimidated, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm imploring you to power through. Yeah. And to just read that article yeah. on the mom's blog okay. to begin with. Um, it's, I don't know, from a few months back, but if you just search Quad City Moms Blog and Enneagram, I'm sure it'll And come I think up. we can maybe put it in like the show Oh, notes. sure. Yeah, that, that so, one. So it should come up in like the description of the episode. Oh, on, on iTunes. Yeah. Great. And we'll put Rachel's article in there too yes. about the Happiness Project. Yeah. yeah. So we're, so we're much not going to make you go searching for stuff. Yeah. So um, tell us your type. Share yeah. with us what you've discovered through this Enneagram conversation. And if you do anything with the... August money happiness intention. Let us know about that too. We definitely want to know. Speaking of August and money, mm -hmm. don't you have a summer social coming up? Yes, summer social is coming up. It's at the market in Moline. Um, it's the Spotlight Theater there um, right in downtown Moline. So on August 23rd and 24th, you want to come down to the market because there is a fundraiser going on with Dress for Success. So $5 to get in, you get access to all sorts of amazing vendors. I want you to think of the market sort of like Etsy in person. Yes. So you can find all kinds of cute baby clothes and home decor and just a lot of great a lot of it's handmade, a lot of it's not, but it's specially curated vendors, and you're going to find something there that you're going to like. So come on out the 23rd and 24th, the market in the Spotlight Theater, and $5 gets you in, and it's a donation to Dress for Success. So yes, please come and join us. Thank you all for being with us for another episode of On a Mother Level. Please share us with a friend. Thank you so much for supporting us. And we'll be back again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to On a Mother Level from the Tribune Audio Network. Tribune Audio Network.